The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Natural healing is an evolving field with new discoveries coming forward every day. Join us to find out more about the products and methods that will work for you. Welcome to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, a program with honest information and straightforward talk that will help you take control of your health. Now, here's your host, Howard Strauss. Welcome to The Power of Natural Healing. Uh, I'm Howard Strauss, your host. We're brought to you today by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. That's G-E-R-S-O-N media.com, where you can find all kinds of great information about how to maintain your good health, how to recover it if you've lost it, and how to reverse and heal even the most difficult and uh, intractable chronic illnesses. Uh, we can help you with that. Um Today we have a very, very special guest, uh, one, one of my absolute favorite, uh, uh, favorite authors and uh, powerful, powerful uh, scientist, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, uh, professor emeritus of Cornell University, author of The China Study, uh, who taught and researched nutrition for over 30 years and is considered by many to be the top nutrition expert in the country, if not the entire world. Uh, he started out life on a dairy farm, um, biased towards the notion uh, that animal-based food, particularly milk, was beneficial to human health, and he even ridiculed vegetarians from his university lectern. But the more research he saw and the more careful research he did, the more he became convinced that the best diet for human beings was a whole foods, plant-based diet. Along the way, he gathered many critics whose multi-billion dollar industries were threatened by this notion. We'll be talking about the journey and about Dr. Campbell's new book, Whole, W-H-O-L-E, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Welcome to the Power of Natural Healing, Dr. Campbell. It's a real pleasure to be on the show, I must tell you. Well, it's a great honor, and thank you for sharing your time with us, uh, Dr. Campbell. Uh, just just a little bit about your about your background. You started out life on a dairy farm. Uh, where where was that? Uh, Northern Virginia, about fifty miles west of Washington D.C. And so you came out of that convinced that you could help the world best by improving the health and quantity of of um, milk for for the population. Is that correct? That's, that's true. Uh, I mean, my even going to college was uh, quite an event, I guess, because my father only had a couple years education himself, and nobody in my family on either side had gone to college. And so uh, he, my father, was with whom I was very close, was anxious that uh, his uh, children got an education. And 
so I was the first to go to school and and when I did I kind of you know stumbled around on what I wanted to do and I was in veterinary school when I uh, after one year I got an unexpected telegram from a professor at Cornell fairly well known man Clyde McKay who invited me to come to Cornell on a scholarship and so I switched because I thought I was getting into medical research and I tell you this little story because um, I'm not, I, I was interested in medical research, uh, although I had come from the farm and all that. Uh, I obviously came along with all my prejudices and biases in favor of the good old American diet. And so I started with Dr. McKay, then did my doctorate with a Dr. Warner and Dr. Loosely. Uh, and my dissertation was really on basically trying to find ways to produce animal-based protein more effectively and economically and financially so that we can eat more of it. That's what I did. Well, and, and then uh, at some point, at some point uh, in in your in your career, I don't know if it was a point or a, a longer process, but there has to have been some major event that caused you to go from that, from, from wanting to bring more animal protein, cheaper and better animal protein, higher quality, uh, to the to the people, uh, to where you are now, which is uh, advocating no animal protein or very little animal protein, and a whole foods plant based diet. Something, some there's a major jump between those two. How did that happen? Well, I got my first faculty position at Virginia Tech after being at MIT for three years. And while at Virginia Tech, I had an opportunity to work to, with a, a senior colleague, a man uh, who I greatly respected and admired for his international work. And he had this project in the Philippines he wanted to do to basically, if possible, uh, help the Philippine Ministry of Health uh, develop a program for uh, malnourished and starving children. And in those days, not just for us, but for other colleagues too, it was all about making sure that children in a situation like that got enough protein. So I, I was, in a sense, a perfect match. Uh, but uh, along the way, I also had an interest in cancer or chemical carcinogenesis, as we say in science, and, and uh, <clears throat> I had a particular interest in liver cancer. And just by happenstance, uh, was told of uh, an observation by my medical colleagues that young children uh, seem to be at higher risk for getting primary liver cancer than others. And because of my interest in nutrition and cancer combined, in a sense, I then got the impression that the children most likely to get the liver cancer were from the families who were uh, consuming the most protein, exactly the opposite of what we went there to do. <laughs> I mean, there were a few families who were consuming protein at protein levels, sort of like we do in the West. And so, uh, I, I mean, it was anecdotal. It wasn't published uh, and nothing like that. But then there was a report came from India on experimental animals that when these animals uh, administered a chemical carcinogen that gives rise to liver cancer, when they were fed the higher levels of protein, it was a dramatic effect. The protein pushed the cancer, turned it on. And so that uh, got us into a 27-year project with NIH funding where I wanted to understand that relationship a little bit better. I mean, it was certainly very provocative. And my colleagues, including the investigators in India who first did that first report, no one believed it. Uh, but I got a grant to work on it, and I wanted to know if it's true and how did it work and so forth and so on. And it was a fascinating 27 years. It kept getting renewed. Uh, we published extensively in the best journals. And I think the event that 
probably really turned my head as much as any other was the fact that we could turn on the growth of cancer and these experimental animals and by simply giving them the protein of cow's milk at a higher level. Oh boy, that, that must have been that must have been a shocker for you, uh, given your given your rock solid foundation in dairy uh, management. Absolutely. I mean, I first published in the Journal of Dairy Science one of my first <laughs> publications, and so you know, sort of coming to that awareness, if you will. Uh, yeah, sure, it was a shocker. I couldn't quite believe it. That's why I wanted to work on it. I I wasn't sure that this could be true. Uh, so, and we're there in the Philippines to push protein, if you will. Although we were at the time pushing peanut protein, but in any event, uh, it was the idea of getting protein to these kids. I, and so if this were true, why would we want to do that to the kids? Really? And so I was faced with this, uh, this proposition, and, uh, the more we, the more I looked into that, the more kinds of experimentation we did, and we did a lot. I had a lot of students, graduate students, undergraduate honor students, uh, fellow professors, who got involved with me in, in some of these efforts, and uh, it was just so dramatic. And that led to, a, in my view, a sort of a principle, if you will, that cancer might just be a process involving nutrition rather than genes, for example, or rather than you know, necessarily the chemicals in the environment, or rather than viruses. I mean, the idea that nutrition, just by modulating the consumption of uh, nutrients and, you know, regulating just nutrition in general could have an effect on cancer like that. So we went on to do things Wait, like, you know, looking could, at... Could I just, yeah. could I just sum sure. summarize here for a moment uh, some of the statements you just made? Number one, you could... Turn off and on the growth of cancer by simply varying the amount of animal protein that you provided. Exactly, and the animal protein we were using was casein, which is the main protein of cow's milk. And then, uh, and then the second, second, uh, secondly, you were also giving the animals um, a carcinogen that triggered cancer growth, but that right. the but that the um, animal protein had a dramatically higher um, higher influence on the growth and presence of cancer than did that specific powerful carcinogen, which, as I recall, was uh, aflatoxin. Is that correct? That's correct. Which, yeah, that's, that's what, which oh, is uh, which is, as you said, the most one of the most powerful carcinogens on on a uh, uh, that you can give rats. Absolutely, it is. It was and still is the most powerful carcinogen ever discovered. And yet, and, and yet, and yet, animal protein had more of an influence on cancer than that. That's right, because if we just dropped the protein consumption, uh, that carcinogen had no effect. Wow! It did not, in fact, produce uh, cancer. And as they say, that was so dramatic. Oh yeah. And and uh, you know, it obviously required more research, if you will. Which we did, and I did, we did a lot of work to try to understand, as those of us in research like to do. Like, I wanted to understand, you know, what the so-called mechanism was. Mm -hmm. you know, how does this work? Was it this enzyme, that enzyme, or some other physiological event, if you will? And so, I started looking for what to find that um, that so-called B mechanism. The more we looked, every time we looked, we found one. So it ended up, in, in a sense, if I can describe it this way, it's sort of like a tsunami of mechanisms all working together. When protein is increased, working together to create that kind of response. 
And that was, in a sense, even more dramatic because, you know, one I was thinking at the time in science and in medicine, uh, especially in the drug industry, and I was a member of the, the Pharmacology Society of the day at that time, and so I certainly had an interest in that area too. And, and the mantra for development of drugs is to discover, you know, what the relationship is between, let's say, a cause and effect, maybe some chemical, some something else, and we, we, we tend to want to look for the mechanism so we could develop new drugs, you know, to address that mechanism, block the mechanism if it was the kind of thing we didn't want. That's sort of the basis for much of uh, the research and development of, of no drugs. drugs. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and so when we, when I was running onto this idea of well, could, just let me let me uh, let me just interrupt you here for a moment. We're coming up on a, uh, on our first break, Dr. Campbell. Uh, if you would just hold hold that thought, because I want to hear more right, about sure. that. Uh, this is uh, this is Howard Strauss. I'm your host for the Power of Natural Healing, brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com, where you can find all kinds of great information, including uh, papers by Dr. Gerson, uh, papers by other scientists, uh, books. Books uh, and and um, um, doc, uh, documentaries and testimonials and all kinds of great information to help you recover and maintain your good health. After all, what we're doing here is we're bringing you information you can use for yourself uh, to maintain your good health. Uh, you don't need drugs. You don't need uh, you don't need doctors. All you need to do is pay attention and listen to your body. So uh, we're talking to Dr. T. Colin Campbell, uh, author of The China Study and his new book, Whole, W-H-O-L-E, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Uh, we'll be back right after this break. Thanks for listening. Please stay with us. This is your host, Howard Strauss, and I want to let you know about the special offers we have just for you on the earthing products. The first includes a bed pad, an earthing mat, the earthing book, and all of the accessories you need. Together, these items sell for more than $300, but you can buy them now for $199. To see this kit and all of the earthing specials, visit our website at gersonmedia.com earthing. Again, that's gersonmedia.com slash earthing. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, 
planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You are listening to The Power of Natural Healing with your host, Howard Strauss. To be a part of our discussion this week, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at gersonmedia.com. And now, back to The Power of Natural Healing. Welcome back to The Power of Natural Healing. This is Howard Strauss, your host. Uh, uh, we're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. This is information you can use to improve and maintain your good health, even recover your good health if you've lost it. And um, and today we are talking to one of the best of the best nutritionists in the world, uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Professor Emeritus of Cornell University, author of the China Study, and um, a brilliant, brilliant uh, scientist, a very careful scientist, not only about his discoveries, but what happens when you uh, when you go up against certain industries, which of course we've been up against for a hundred years now. Uh, Dr. Campbell. You were talking about uh, about searching for mechanism, a mechanism that caused cancer, and finding one after another after another of these mechanisms that caused cancer or that linked cancer to animal protein. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, in uh, in research, as you well know, Howard, uh, we often assume, certainly in the pharmaceutical industry, for research and development of drugs, uh, we often assume that there is the mechanism or key mechanism or rate-limiting mechanism, sometimes we say, there's a mechanism that if we were to know the mechanism responsible for the relationship between a cause and effect, and we didn't, you know, we wanted to stop that, if it was a bad deal, we then could create a chemical or a drug to stop it. And so that's a really fundamental tenet of R&D for pharmaceutical industry people. And so what I was seeing here in this particular case uh, you really question that whole idea that things don't operate through single mechanisms. Rarely do they do that. It's really just a family of things that are going on. And and in the case of my the example we were using, the effect of protein or animal protein on cancer, uh, it would turn on all these mechanisms that would lead to cancer, if you will. And there were, in fact, as in subsequent years proved, there were just, as I say, almost an unlimited mechanism, depending on one's perspective and how you do the research, you know, all working together to do that. So that was as important of a principle, in my view, as was the idea of turning cancer on and off. Uh, there was another thing that came out of that research, too, that uh, for us in those early days was important, and that was that one of the principal functions of nutrition is to control gene expression. And we know so that, now, now you're talking. Now you're talking about epigenetics, right? Yeah. Well, that that word epigenetics started with a friend of mine at the time, late '70s, actually, and uh, it, it took some life uh, quite a number of years later. Uh, but that's what we were doing. Yes. Uh, in fact, I was on the research committee, the advisory committee of the organization of which he was a member. But in any case. Um, the idea that uh, genes, I mean, genes are important, we all know that, and virtually all physiological and pathological events in our body begin with, at its very core, begins with 
some genetic basis. Uh, and of course, genes, DNA, if you will, uh, is expressing, uh, you know, the products, the protein products become enzymes and so forth and so on that gives rise to, you know, physiological and pathological events. And so what we were learning in those early days was that nutrition actually controls the expression of genes so much so that the genetic activity in most cases means little or nothing. I mean, genes have to be there for something, but they, they, even if they're the kind of genes we don't particularly care to have, and we all have some of those, um, that even though that, we, that may be there, it doesn't mean they're, go, they're going to be expressed unless we use the kind of nutrition we ought not to be using. This is an important, important statement to make because, this, this because is, I, so, I think, so yeah. many of our doctors today, so much of medical science today, when they, when they come up against a disease, the first thing that they want to do because of their, uh, because of the, the ultra, ultra, ultra microscopes that they can use is to find the gene that regulates that. Right, and right, they, exactly. And then try to eliminate that gene, and then they'll, they think they'll eliminate a disease. But, but the problem is that, that it has, it has little or nothing to do with, uh, with disease. The, the gene only t- shows a tendency rather than, uh, rather than a disease. And it, it's like, it's like a, 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 a bad poker player getting a great hand. Or a good poker player getting a, a lousy hand. Uh, the hand is the the hand you're dealt is your genetics, and how you play that hand uh, indicates the results. That's right. I mean, often it's not just a single gene. In most cases, it's a huge number of genes are working together once again. I mean, I'd like to use the example of the little Drosophila fly that's often used in research, especially by geneticists. Um, it was shown by one report I know that supposedly there's about 476 genes working together just to cause weight change in the Drosophila fly. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> you know, so what, what in the world are we, you know, as humans... Yeah, tinkering uh, doing, with... You know, it's, it's really kind of stupid. It's, it's, nuts. I, it's nuts. It's nuts. And, uh, you know, but now, you've described a certain number of things that you were uh, researching and publishing on and research results that you were finding and that your associates were finding that... Uh, that clearly, clearly threatened uh, not only the, uh, the the current paradigm of genetic origins of disease and so forth, but also uh, of of multi-trillion-dollar industries, the drug industry, the animal protein right. industry, and so forth. Can you describe just a little bit about what uh, what they were doing while you were doing all of that? Well, I had the good fortune, I guess you could say, the good fortune of. For about 20 years, uh, and during the 80s and 90s, uh, being on one of these uh, policy development uh, committees, expert panels, we call them, either with the National Academy of Science or with NIH or with other other organizations, I, I was participating. You know, they, they had the responsibility for developing national dietary guidelines, for example, or health guidelines, and so I was a member of those committees and got deeply involved in sort of at the interface, if you will, between uh, science and politics. I mean, I, we, we did have an opportunity of working with people on both sides of that equation. And I saw some things there that really introduced me to some notions about uh, you know, what role, for example, the corporate sector really plays in academic research. Yes. 
and and, and, uh, and it wasn't pretty, I take it. Well, you know, I, saw, I mean, this is first-hand experience. I'm not just uh, saying this or reading stuff. It, I mean, I have seen, you know, the subtle ways. Sometimes, most of the time, they are quite subtle. The subtle ways uh, by which people with commercial interest can actually uh, interfere, you know, with the science, with the scientific uh, operation itself. And it's just not this not pretty. We, we uh, I, I have to say, it's really hard to believe that we're really living in a free society when we're operating, you know, in this particular realm of science. Uh, because if if we get results, they really do run up against their, you know, big commercial interest. We can get in trouble. I learned that, you know, in spades myself. Um, and so, what the public gets to know, unfortunately. It's mostly, uh, you know, what the corporate sector would like for the public to know, and and which feeds into their multi-trillion-dollar profits. Right, exactly. So, you know, it, it's more about uh, actually creating wealth for the few at the expense of health for the many. Exactly. Where I look at it, and, and so so yeah. where so so this led this led uh, at some point you wrote you uh, participated in a huge uh, study uh, of of epidemiology and uh, nutrition in China. Um, That's right. Well, over the years we had done a lot of research in the laboratory, and as I explained, to two or three of the sort of principles that we learned, and some more. All very exciting. They it got me to a point of saying, you know what? I my early ideas were not right. Uh, you know, this is really about uh, what plants have to offer, as far as health is concerned. Vegetables, fruits, grains, legumes, and you know that that story very well. Uh, and so, having the opportunity in China, as we did in the early 1980s, uh, we had an opportunity to do some research in China to China to kind of survey. You know, the various uh, correlates of, let's say, various dietary practices and disease outcomes, you know, across the whole of the country. And so we surveyed a total of 130 villages in some depth, collected blood samples and urine samples and food samples and so forth and so on, and then analyzed them for a host of, whole host of different things. And in that society, mostly in rural China, uh, where they consume mostly plant-based foods, it was an opportunity for me to see if what we were learning in the laboratory was consistent with what we might see in that setting, in the human setting. So a natural experiment, right? Uh, an yeah, experiment exactly was. that you did not have to uh, control the, the, the variables. No. You just recorded what variables uh, exactly. correlated with what outcomes. Right, and so we gathered together. I mean, I had some outstanding uh, partnerships in college with the University of Oxford. I was a at the time of visiting a professor there for a year and working with uh, really truly some outstanding people, Sir Richard Pito, Sir Richard Dahl, for example, uh, and uh, also with excellent colleagues from China. And so we, we did the study, created a massive amount of information, uh, expressed as correlates, for example. And I have to say this because there's some, I should say, I don't use uh, some too nasty of a word here, but there are some people who don't know anything about science say that, you know, I developed this whole idea based on interpreting correlations from a study like that, which is total nonsense. Yes. And that's that word. <laughs> yeah. I, I should say it stronger, but since we're on the air, I won't do that. <laughs> but uh, but, 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 but nonetheless, crazy. it's something that you saw a lot of when you were on the dairy farm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I shovel it. You know. Yes, you shovel exactly. <laughs> so, anyhow, I, I, what, 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 what was the case? I didn't look at single correlates and say, oh, here we got an answer here, I got an answer there. I mean, that's what people, I, I actually wrote and said we can't do that. They turned around and accused me of doing that, which is nonsense. What we actually did, we, I was interested in looking at the complexities of big studies where multiple factors are involved and taking a different approach for analyzing information. And so we created models for various outcomes and then created models for possible mechanisms and models of possible, you know, uh, source material or causes. And we, we looked at it in a very comprehensive way like that um, to see if, in fact, there was any consistency uh, what we had seen in the human studies as well as what we saw in the lab and could you, some could other you, things. Could you, could you just uh, hold that thought for a moment? We're coming up on another break, yeah. Dr. Campbell. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we'll talk about correlates and the China study uh, uh, right after the break. You're listening to The Power of Natural Healing brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. Uh, I'm Howard Strauss, your host. Drop us your email address uh, on our homepage, and we will let you know about upcoming guests, about new uh, new publications, new DVDs, and uh, and we will uh, we will never use it for any other uh, any other purposes. We won't sell it. We won't share it. We won't use it for marketing. We will just uh, use it for informing you of important health related um, uh, events and publications. This is Howard Strauss. We're talking to T. Colin Campbell uh, and uh, a great conversation Uh, stay with us we'll be back right after the break step by step you made it through the journey of pregnancy now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey breastfeeding as a new parent you receive a lot of advice much of it conflicting some of it outdated tune into born to be breastfed with host marie biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune into Lotus Radio, Nourishing Life with Jane Dabu. Every week for everything you need to take personal responsibility in your quest for optimal health. We'll discuss topics pertaining to alternative medicine, as well as answer your questions about diseases, health, mental, and emotional conditions, and spirituality. Our guest experts include researchers, medical professionals, and advocates. Lotus Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power of Natural Healing with your host, Howard Strauss. To be a part of our discussion this week, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at gersonmedia.com. And now, back to The Power of Natural Healing. 
Welcome back to The Power of Natural Healing. This is Howard Strauss, your host. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com, where you can find all kinds of great information about how to empower yourself to take control of your good health, to maintain your health, to recover your health, to help your family, to help your children, to make sure you don't get sick. You won't need doctors. You won't need medical insurance. Uh, I haven't had it for years. I'm 70 years old. Um... Charlotte Gerson, at 92, has not had uh, medical insurance for many, many years. We don't have a doctor. We don't take drugs. We don't have any illnesses. So uh, we're talking here with uh, uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, fabulous uh, nutrition scientist, um, uh, possibly the top nutritionist in the world, certainly in the United States, been on many government and uh, industrial um, panels, Talking about uh, talking about and trying to direct uh, nutrition policy, and getting brickbats uh, for it in um, as thanks. Um, Dr. Campbell, you were talking about uh, searching for searching for uh, mechanisms and, um, and, not, and and finding so many interrelated mechanisms that it was just impossible. Uh, you want to ca- elaborate on that, or would you like to? Uh, yeah, well, the, the, as I say, the the idea of having single mechanisms or just a handful that you could identify, you know, coming from some some gene, if you will, that idea, of course, gives rise to the whole pharmaceutical industry and it gives rise to the way we actually practice medicine, that's true. In contrast, the nutrition, which incidentally is not taught in medical schools, as you may know, uh, it's also not seriously funded at NIH. You know, the 28, I think it is, uh, NIH institutes these days, uh, not one is called the Institute of Nutrition. And uh, they just give a little meager funding here and there to some other, but relatively speaking, it's not about nutrition. And and so when I wrote the book Whole, I wanted to elaborate on that particular point. Why is it the professionals, whether it's medical practitioners or whether it's medical um, researchers or, in fact, whether it's experts who are devising policy, why is it that nutrition is, is so denigrated? and has been so for so long, and that was the basis for my wanting to write the book Whole, which came out last May. And uh, therein, I, I, I didn't want to do it in a sense of just lamenting or itemizing, you know, all the sort of uh, nasty stories we hear. I didn't want to do it that way. I just felt like I didn't want to write a, an expose. I was more interested in trying to figure out, you know, what is the sort of scientific and philosophical basis for the way we think about this question concerning the causes of illness and, and, and so forth and disease. And that's when I really got excited about this one idea I've become very enthusiastic about is that the way that nutrition actually works in the body it's very, very different. It doesn't work on the basis of one nutrient affecting one mechanism affecting one disease. You know, this characterizes the drug industry. Instead, it works within this really almost magical ways, fantastic ways of countless nutrients operating through countless mechanisms, if you will, causing a whole broad array of effects as far as the body is concerned. In other words, it's one size it's not quite one size fits all because a diet, as you know, is plants it essentially still has you know in just countless different things to work together within those plants to work together but what it does do it, it's just one fairly simple solution just eating this way keeps us from getting sick and even for people who already are sick and then let's say they have advanced diabetes or heart disease and so forth 
we can actually reverse it. The body has amazing capacity, you know, to correct its correct the error of its ways, if you will, if we just eat the right food. And so I just see this nutritional idea, looking at it more philosophically, you know, how does it really work? Well, it's almost the antithesis of the, of the way drugs work or the way that nutrient supplements work. It's at the opposite end of the spectrum. And that's why they don't give it any credence you know, in, in, the, in the institutions of higher learning or higher research. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's no profit in it. Isn't it? You're right. And so, you know, we can, just by eating some broccoli and peas and beans and a really nice, delicious meal like that, and it's easy to get onto that meal for those who are listening who think it might be difficult. It's not. We're basically addicted to the high-fat diets, most of us, and, and it's hard to make the change sometimes in the beginning, but give it a week or two or maybe a month or two, we get some new tastes and new, new preferences, and it's altogether a different whole new world view. And it's very you, know, you know what? I, I was very, very impressed um, with that. Uh, you had you had a page uh, that uh, that detailed what is known about a single nutrient and and the pathways, the metabolic pathways, uh, and nutritional and uh, and and uh, physiological pathways that it affects. And that one page is just one nutrient. Is so full, right. so full that it's almost impossible to. Well, you can't. It's impossible to grasp the whole of it and make sense of it in terms of. Okay, what do I eat? What do I do? How do I change my life? Right, right. And so yeah, it is. That is, if you just take one nutrient, and you sort of follow a pathway from digestion to absorption and transport in the blood and to crossing the membrane barrier to cells and and then and then getting this really extraordinary. A series of pathways or network of pathways we call biochemistry. Uh, and then, you know, you, you go through all those stages and the body is making a choice. It eats those, they're not, they're, they're integral stages, they're continuum in a sense, but it, all along the way the body's making decisions on a you know, nanosecond basis, firstly, of how much to use of this, that, and everything else, uh, to take the next step to create, a, you know, a response. And it's a, it's a dynamic that um, those of us in research and most of my colleagues in research uh, simply don't support. But it's the truth. That's nature. And, and That's the thing, nature. In, in, my, in my paper that I wrote for the Townsend letter, uh, it, it, what's clear is when you take the 100 trillion cells in our body and you divide that out over 500 days that it takes to replace almost every single one of them, uh, what you're seeing is that is that uh, 8 billion cells an hour are dying, and 8 billion cells every hour of your life are being uh, being created and replacing those cells. That's right. And, uh, and without, without understanding that flood of creation that's going on uh, and, and how everything you're... Uh, the, the environment is what has to uh, affect it, without understanding that, uh, just tinkering with one variable or another is is almost madness. It is. It's, it's deadly and literally it's deadly. It's deadly. Um, it's, just, it's also uh, criminal as far as I'm concerned. Maybe not intentional by individuals, but I mean, there's a lot of good people working in science. Let's face it. I, I, I think they're dedicated people for the most part, but they they are working on problems and that they can get some funding for. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the deal, and and, and, the, uh, and the funding is provided by people who do have an agenda uh, yeah, that, is, that is not beneficial. Right, it is. It's a very large agenda, and that is basically to maintain the status quo, if I can put it that way. 
to maintain and maybe even expand the status quo. Exactly. And, uh, and, and in order to do that, they've, they've used their funding as a very powerful lever uh, to, to force people to study one thing or another and to avoid uh, other things that, that might do away with problems that, that they're using for their, um, for their agenda. To for, to for yeah, I, if I may, I'd like to change the the pronoun they though okay. to you know all, all of us because this is a societal thing. Consumers, you know, they want they want the, the best and newest uh, effic- and the most efficacious drug. They really do. They have come to believe that that's health. You know, they want the magic bullet, uh, and so it, it's kind of a um, activity between the producers of these things in the public who now are sort of working together to create what we call medicine in a sense but unfortunately for the consumers they've never heard otherwise that's, yeah, that's exactly right, and they've never they, heard they, otherwise because the agenda includes suppressing right. any suppressing any information that contradicts what uh, what the right. uh, uh, what the medical um, paradigm would 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 say. Yeah, so so we're all caught in the same game in a sense, in some ways, but it's very really, very sad, and I, I I think that you know if people would understand what I've written in whole and what you and I just talked about. Uh, we're obviously on the same page. Uh, you know, if people were to understand that and then ask just simple questions, well, how can I use that information for my own life? Well, the answer is fairly simple. It's very simple. And you have it's, it. It's and a you very have simple it, thing. You have it in whole, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I was so eager to have you on this program, uh, Dr. Campbell, is that uh, your your book is so straightforward, and yet... So scientifically based. I mean, you are a consummate scientist, going where the truth brings you, rather than where your prejudices bring you. Uh, and uh, and and you state it in a in a way that's easily understandable. Like for instance, the uh, the, the the struggle between reductionism and holism. Uh, that is a, that is a major theme in your book, and uh, and it really brings out in stark contrast uh, what uh, you know where science is and where what gets funded uh, leads us to if, instead of instead of what we can actually use in our day to day life to stay healthy and to keep right. our children healthy. Could, could I put a plug in for a course that we have on this? Please do. Uh, Please do. Yeah, it's, a, it's an online course that uh, by nonprofit. Uh, got going, started actually some students of mine sort of like a lecture. I was, of course, I was given a course on the campus. And uh, so we have this online course right now, very unique, interesting course. And, and, so the, and your, your, own, your own, your uh, nonprofit is called? It's called, and right now it's called Center. It's in my name, T. Colin Campbell, Center for Nutrition Studies. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get away from my name a little bit. I don't like particularly care for that, but I, we do it that way because of the branding opportunity. But in any case, the, we partnered with uh, the arm of Cornell University that handles online courses for Cornell faculty. And, of course, I'm still faculty. And the, the, the Cornell program, which is one of the top ten in the country, you know, in online courses these days, really an outstanding organization, they have now are offering more than 200 courses, you know, of Cornell faculty. We're actually ranked number one. Wow! In terms of uh, the interest that's been shown in the course, and so we have this wonderful relationship with 
with this group that uh, Cornell called E. Cornell Incorporated. But in any case, they, they're great. A lot, lot of people have figured out how to do things logistically to make the online experience really worthy. And at the same time, you know, offering it in a really professional, educational way. Um, and uh, so we're, we're off and running. We, we uh, Dr. Campbell, Dr. Campbell yeah. we're coming up on our last break here. Um, so if you can hold that thought, we'll talk about how people can get access to that course uh, right on the other side of the break, okay? Right, okay, thank you. Um, so, so please hang on, folks. So we're going to give you information on how to take Dr. Campbell's course. Uh, we're having a great conversation with Dr. T. Colin Campbell, author of The China Study and Whole, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Um, and um, please stay tuned. We will, we will be right back on the other side of this break. This is The Power of Natural Healing. I'm Howard Strauss, your host. Stay with us. When it comes to your health, you have more choices. It's time for a paradigm shift in your health and your family's health. It's time to challenge the basic assumptions of Western medicine and consider emerging solutions. Host Ivan Wergo and his guests will discuss everything from physical therapy innovation, sport performance, and insurance reimbursement to a change from the biomedical model to the biopsychosocial model. Paradigm Shifts in Wellness and Sport can be heard live every Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to The Power of Natural Healing with your host, Howard Strauss. To be a part of our discussion this week, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at gersonmedia.com. And now, back to The Power of Natural Healing. Welcome back to The Power of Natural Healing. Thanks for staying with us, folks. Uh, this is Howard Strauss, your host, uh, brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. Uh, and we will, uh, uh, we've will we been talking to Dr. T. Colin Campbell, uh, Emeritus Professor at Cornell University, author of The China Study and Whole, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Uh, Dr. Campbell uh, was just about to tell us how to get uh, access to his online course of how to use uh, the how to use the results of all of his years and years and years, decades of excellent research, careful research on nutrition and on uh, and on uh, health and how to maintain your good health. So, uh, Dr. Campbell, thank you for staying with us. 
Um, how how would uh, our listeners get access to this online Cornell course? Well, you can go to our website. It's called nutritionstudies.org. No, I'm sorry, yes, Center for Nutrition Studies dot org, um, and uh, it's in my name, T. Colin Campbell. You can find it that way. So, Center for Nutrition Studies dot org, um, and there's it, yeah, there's a lot of information on our, on the website. Incidentally, we just have really rounded up a good staff. Uh, uh, really, or my youngest son, who wrote the book with me, the China Study, Tom. He went off and went to medical school, was finished up, he's a family doc, he's on associate of the University of Rochester Medical Center now, he's also the new executive director of our foundation, and, um, or, you know, or, or non-profit, I should say, and uh, so they can go there, and I think uh, they'll, they'll be able to enroll right there on that webpage. Uh, is this a free, is is this a, a fee based or is it uh, free? Yeah, it, it, there is no. There's there's a fee for it. Um, we're trying to work it out so that we're trying to make it as modest as we can. We've mm-hmm. got to pay our own bills. Of I course. should add, incidentally, I make no money on this. I take nothing from it. Uh, so it's not a it's not a scheme for me to make money. I get zero uh, funding, um, and. So we're just, you know, as I say, doing the best we possibly can to make it available to as many people as possible. Well, that's yeah, outstanding. So, folks, folks, I want you to do two things. You'll, the Center for Nutrition Studies, is that correct? Yes. Center for Nutrition Studies dot org, uh, and you can uh, you can sign up for the course, the online course uh, on on how to use the results of all of this fabulous research uh, to uh, to improve your own life and your health. Um, according to all of the information that uh, Dr. Campbell has uh, has developed, and also you want to buy the book Whole W H O L E Rethinking the 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 Science of Nutrition by Dr. T. Colin Campbell. Uh, it is. It's powerful stuff, really powerful stuff. There's at, at half the book is is really about his research. The other half of the book is about how that research and how all of his ideas and so forth have been heavily and brutally suppressed by the uh, by the conventional medis- medical and pharmaceutical and and uh, uh, agricultural interests the ones that are making billions upon billions of dollars to heck with your uh, uh, to heck with your good health and that's why we're so uh, that's why we're so obese and so sick in the United States with uh, illness and cancer rising and obesity uh, overwhelming us um, we are being manipulated into this and uh, uh, Dr. Campbell will help you um, to understand that uh, help you understand how it's been done how you can get out of that vicious circle and get into uh, get into good health and, and you can get into good health even even after you're in poor health from what you've been eating how can you do that Dr. Campbell just uh, well, you just start doing it. Just it's, start it's, it's, doing it exactly. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, this same strategy works both for preventing future problems as well as curing present problems. And you cure present treatment. You cure pre- present problems because there's a flood of creativity going on in our body every second. Every uh, second. Uh, I just read somewhere that uh, every second, our uh, we create uh, something like eight million. Uh, red blood cells. Right. <laughs> Eight million red blood cells per second are being created. If they, you know, and and uh, every hour we we replace and uh, uh, renew eight billion 
uh, uh, cells uh, from our structure. So there's a, an immense amount of, uh, of healing that's available to us if we just take advantage of it. And that's what we're built for. That's what we're built for. That's how we're built. That's our birthright as a human being in our genetic structure. Uh, so we have uh, we, we have just about um, uh, five minutes left, uh, Dr. Campbell. Is there any uh, any last thoughts you'd like to leave our uh, our audience with? Uh, and yeah, is this I, a, I do have a thought. Um, yes, sir. In fact, I've become involved with two significant people on this particular point. Namely, uh, this message is not only about creating good health for ourselves; it's obviously also about creating good health for our country. Uh, in the form of um, health care costs. I, oh, I would yeah. argue that, um, in fact, I've given a couple, several talks on this now to political groups, and that is that, you know, we've been arguing like crazy in this country about health care reform. People have different kinds of proposals, uh, but all of them, every single one of them are missing the point. What they're talking about is who's going to pay the bill. They're not talking about reducing health care costs, but actually making people well. Uh, you know, just decreasing demand. I mean, if, if the old supply-demand curve means anything, here's an opportunity to put it to use. And so we can decrease demand by creating this information for the public. And we've been doing that. Elder sons and some of us have been doing that. We know how to do that. And so I, I wish people would pay attention to that. And then there's one more outcome, too, that's also equally important, maybe even more so. And that has to do with environment. We now know, and I've worked with some folks at the World Bank and other major institutions around the world on this question. We know now that the way we eat food has a major, major effect on global warming. If we just were able to change our, the way we actually eat food, we can have a major impact um, on more than anything else that can be done on global warming. Because using uh, animal-based agriculture, for example, the intensification of, of that activity for the use of land and the kind of food we get and so forth and so on, it really is now being shown to have a major effect. And so we ought to get on to it because our environmental situation is serious. It's really serious. It is very, it is very serious, and uh, you know, folks, this is, uh, uh, you know, you can see that uh, Dr. Campbell has has a really, really good grasp of the very big picture, of the very big picture. You know, he was not, he was not uh, paralyzed by the reductionism of current uh, science, which looks at ever smaller and smaller and smaller atoms of the uh, of the problem and never relates it to the big picture. But here, uh, after a lifetime of this research, Dr. Campbell. Campbell has a uh, fantastic view of the uh, 30,000 feet from above uh, of the entire the entire problem as it as it should be stated. Dr. Campbell, this has been a fantastic uh, hour that we've spent here. Thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us and for uh, and, and for sharing your thoughts with uh, with the audience. We have people from around the world who uh, need this information, who can use this information to uh, improve their health. I'd, I'd like to say one word. I'd really yes, like to compliment you, uh, your mother, Charlotte, and your grandfather, who was a real pioneer, a giant in this field, Max Gerson, Dr. Max Gerson. I'd just like to compliment your family as you're carrying it for your legacy, his legacy, carrying it forward just for making all this available. It really means a lot. 
Thank you very much, Dr. Campbell. And, you know, I always consider the source when I hear things like that. And you are, uh, you are about as, uh, uh, as authoritative and as uh, wonderful a source for that kind of compliment that we could ever, uh, ever hope to enjoy. So, um, my deepest gratitude for your, uh, for your thoughts on that as well and for your help and for your cooperation uh, in doing what we do. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss. Please join us again next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until that time, have a healthy, happy week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.